Welcome in the Locked On Phillies. The Phils just can't stop dominating Sandy Alcantara. They beat him again last night, and they're inching closer towards the playoffs. We'll talk about it on today's Locked On Phillies. You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, this is Locked On Phillies. I'm your host, Connor Thomas. Been talking Phil's baseball for years over on 97.5 The Fanatic on the radio. Now happy to be here with you as your host of Locked On Phillies. I want to thank you for making Locked On Phillies your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to try and make it through today. Uh, I went to the doctor for the issue that's been going on, and I've, I've got a pretty bad case of strep throat and <laughs> turned into an ear infection, so I'm hurting right now, but got to get everything done. Got to give you that daily content for Locked On Phillies. So we soldier through regardless. Maybe a little bit shorter of an episode depending on how my voice holds up. But got to talk about what went on last night. Because the Philadelphia Phillies, well, they win again. They beat the Florida the Florida Marlins. Where the heck did that come from? The Miami Marlins by a score of 2-1. to one. The defense was really good. The bullpen was really good. The starting pitching by Bailey Falter was really, really good. And I'll tell you what else, man. The Philadelphia Phillies just absolutely own Sandy Alcantara. Let me talk you through a couple stats about just how dominant the Philadelphia Phillies have been over Sandy Alcantara. By the way, the magic number for the Philadelphia Phillies is down to 17. Yep, 17. You know I hate magic numbers, but John Kincaid of the John Kincaid Show over on 97.5 The Fanatic constantly brings it up. So it gets stuck in my head, and I feel the need to share it with you out there listening because, hey, maybe you might be a magic numbers person. But 17 is the magic number for the Philadelphia Phillies to clinch the playoff spot for the first time in a decade. And last night, well, they faced Sandy Alcantara. They threw a spot starter in Bailey Falter, who's actually made a bunch of starts for the team this year. And they ended up winning the game, and they won the game because of a couple of trends that are going on right now. Uh, first of all, the bottom of the Philadelphia Phillies order – has been awesome lately. They've been grinding out at bats. They've been playing way above their skill level. The call-ups have been really good. The pickups have been really good of guys like Edmundo Sosa, who you didn't expect to contribute all that much. I believe our Twitter handle, at LO underscore Phillies, is still uh, the name on it. It's still locked on Edmundo Sosa because he's incredible. I love him. He's one of my favorite utility players in the past decade of Philadelphia Phillies, uh, Phillies baseball. But the bottom of the line has been really good. There was a stretch where, like, the guy batting in the ninth hole had homered in, like, multiple games in a row or was, like, leading the team in RBIs, whoever it was, on a given night. All good stuff. And that continued last night. The only two runs that were scored in the game came off the bat of Nick Maton with a huge two-run home run off of Sandy Alcantara. So here's the first of the interesting stats, and this is the individual one. We'll get this one out of the way first. Nick Maton is the only player in Major League Baseball to homer off of Sandy Alcantara twice. Not Aaron Judge, not Mike Trout, not Shohei Otani, not Kyle Schwarber, not any of these guys who are absolutely mashing home runs at a prolific rate this year. No, it's Nick Maton, who has five home runs this season and seven in his career. He's got two 
against Sandy Alcantara. And they've both come in like the past week. The last one was the last start that Alcantara made in the previous Marlins series against the Phillies. So Nick Maton just sees him well. And there's this weird thing. Like when I played college ball, and I'm not I'm not at all trying to compare myself playing college ball to what Sandy Alcantara is doing at the major league level. He's a better pitcher than I could even create an MLB the show about myself. But the guys, it, it was weird. We had a couple of all-conference guys. We had a couple guys that were getting looks at for that were all-American level players during my time there. And we would throw simulated games or live at bats or stuff like that against those guys. And I dominated like 75, 80% of the top hitters on our team. And then you'd see a walk-on or a guy that did not play at all, that had like two career hits at the collegiate level. I just couldn't find ways to get them out. There's certain guys that just, for whatever reason, they you are their ideal pitcher, which is weird. And you hear it all the time when you ask a major league pitcher, who's the toughest batter you faced? Or you ask a major league hitter, who's the toughest pitcher you'll face? They'll say something like, Oh, Tommy Hunter, who stinks out of a bullpen somewhere. But for some reason, there's guys you just can't see. And this is no slight on Ricky Batalico because Ricky Batalico was an all-star for the Philadelphia Phillies as a relief pitcher. But he's just owned Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds hit like everybody in the history of baseball but Ricky Batalico for some reason. And it's just, and not that Ricky wasn't a good pitcher, just Barry Bonds was the greatest hitter of all time at his peak. And there are weird things like that. And Nick Maton just owned Sandy Alcantara. But it's not just Nick Maton. The Phillies have faced Sandy Alcantara six times. That's two more than any other team in baseball has faced him. He faced the Mets four times. And the Phillies have won four of those six games. And not only that, but the Phillies are doing their work late. And I'll explain what this means to me about the team after. But Sandy Alcantara, in the seventh inning or later, has given up 10 runs this season. Nine of those 10 runs in the seven inning or later that he's given up have been to your Philadelphia Phillies. That's incredible. So here's what that says to me. This team is grinding out at bats late against them, and they're making huge adjustments. They're seeing what they're seeing the first two, maybe even the first three times through the lineup. They're saying, okay, this is how he's attacking this day. This is what's working for him. Bide our time, grind out at bats, get the pitch count up, find a mistake pitch. We know what he likes to throw here because we've seen him so many times. But also, uh, you get in a situation where it doesn't matter how many times you've seen Sandy Alcantara. He's still hard to hit. They're just very, very focused on wearing down opposing pitchers. And here's where that plays out. In the playoffs, you're going to see these pitchers on shorter rest. You're going to see elite-level arms like Sandy Alcantara. Not that every team has a Sandy Alcantara, but every team has a really, really good pitcher or two. Like if you face the New York Mets, you're going to see Jacob DeGrom. You're going to see Max Scherzer. And you saw the Phillies do it against Max Scherzer earlier in August. Uh, in that series up in New York, the only game they won in that series, which was that 2-1 to victory over Max Scherzer and the New York Mets. But this team just has an uncanny ability to find out a pitcher's weakness on a given night to kind of, even though they've been getting shoved against, not be discouraged until the game's over, and they find a way to just make late hay against pitchers. And Sandy Alcantara is the perfect example, an elite arm that owns them in early innings, but yet they win four of every six games he throws against them because 
by the sixth or the seventh or the eighth or the ninth. They've learned something and they've communicated something. And this is hats off to Kevin Long as well, the hitting coach, who's definitely in these guys' ear, talking to them about what he sees. It's on the players to communicate with each other, which they're clearly doing. And it's on the bottom of the lineup to know that, hey, you guys are just as important to beating this guy and having good at-bats. You can't throw at-bats away because everything counts when you face a pitcher like Sandy Alcantara. All of these have to come together in order for the Phillies to have the success that they've had against the pitcher of this caliber, and they're doing it. And in the playoffs, if they can have games like that where they grind out at-bats against a great pitcher, I think back to the CC Sabathia game in the NLDS against the Milwaukee Brewers in 2008. And now the Philadelphia Phillies just grinded out at bats. And then Shane Victorino hits a grand slam following a Brett Myers walk that took however many pitches. Excuse me. That's the type of at bats that make a playoff team really, really hard to beat. And that's what the Philadelphia Phillies have done all year against Sandy Alcantara. So that's a good sign as to their ability to attack playoff level pitching. And you'll love to see that. Now, they won't see playoff level pitching the rest of this series with the Marlins. But coming up, we're going to preview game two. Take a look at what to watch for in tonight's action and see if the Phillies can win their third series in a row. We've got that coming up next on Locked On Phillies. All right, let me tell you about my friends over at Bet Online because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all the latest football league developments, national football league developments, that is, and NCAA football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. Well, you got the opening week games out of the way. We're on to week two, and there's some good games going on. Kansas City versus Los Angeles. The Bolts on Thursday night. The Birds will play Minnesota on a Monday night matchup. A lot of good games this week, so check everything out there. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Okay, we have lineups, we have starting pitchers, we have everything we need to preview tonight's action between the Philadelphia Phillies. And the Miami Marlins, the Phillies now 79-62. and 62. They're 17 games over 500. Meanwhile, the Marlins are 58-84, and 84, which is, by my calculations, what, 26 games below 500. Not great by them. And Kyle Gibson takes the mound for the Philadelphia Phillies. Here are his numbers. He's got a 9-6 record, a 4-5-7 ERA, a 1-2-8 whip, and 145 and two-thirds innings pitched. Then he'll face Edward Cabrera for the Marlins. Cabrera's 5-2 with a 2-6-3 ERA. Nice work by him in a 108 whip. Only 54 two-third innings, but in those innings he's been dominant. More strikeouts than innings pitched. Only 27 walks. Only six home runs given up. So make no mistake, yeah, last night was a tough matchup for the Philadelphia Phillies pitching-wise. Tonight is as well. Kyle Gibson is the better overall pitcher. He's got the higher ceiling, but this year, Edward Cabrera, in a smaller sample size, looks like the better arm. Another righty, so the Phillies shouldn't have to adjust, and they didn't adjust. They go with the same exact lineup as last night, which I find interesting considering they only scored two runs. But I guess, hey, if it worked, it worked. Keep it going, and all of the decisions Rob Thompson has made, playing Edmundo Sosa a bunch, leaving Nick Maton out there again last night because he homered against Sandy Alcantara in the previous game that they faced 
the Marlins ace. Yeah, he's pushing all the right buttons right now. So we trust Rob Thompson, and we trust that he's rolling out the same lineup. So if you missed the lineup last night, Schwarber leading off playing left. Hoskins batting second, playing first. Harper DHing back in the three-hole. J.T. Ramuto catching, cleaning up. Alec Bohm batting fifth, playing third. Bryson Stott batting sixth, playing short. Gene Segura batting seventh, playing second. Nick Maton, the hero from last night, batting eighth, playing right field. And Brandon Marsh will take over in center field and play there, rounding out the back end of the lineup. Now, this is a nice, easy stretch here when I talk to you about their career versus Edward Cabrera. Yeah, they have one hit in this entire lineup against Edward Cabrera in totality. Kyle Schwarber's seen him twice in his over two. Reese Hoskins is over three. Bryson Stott's over two. Gene Segura is over two. And Alec Bohm has the lone hit in this lineup against Edward Cabrera. He's one for three. Bryce Harper, JT Romito, Nick Maton, and Brandon Marsh all have not seen Edward Cabrera. So not only is it a good arm, it's a good unfamiliar arm to these guys. Now, maybe the last time they saw him, and these are the bats that Schwarber and Hoskins and Bohm and Stott and Segura have against him, they saw enough that they could be better against him this time. And frankly, against this Marlins lineup, four runs should probably get it done. The Marlins are a big low-scoring team because their lineup, frankly, stinks right now. So hopefully you shouldn't have to be too good against Cabrera to win, and Kyle Gibson will shut the Marlins down, much like Bailey Falter did last night, maybe even a better start than Bailey Falter because he didn't really have that many strikeouts. Bailey Falter just is an effective pitcher from the left-handed side who seems tough to pick up for major league batters right now. But uh, the Phillies have an opportunity, and maybe they pick something up in those short at-bats. They have a total of... Let's see, six uh, plus four, 10, 12 total at-bats amongst the entirety of the lineup against Edward Cabrera. So they'll up that tonight, or maybe they won't. Maybe the first time through the lineup, they'll bounce Edward Cabrera, and uh, they'll only need nine at-bats to do. We'll see. I'll tell you what, though. I'm feeling the same way as the ESPN analytics, which is saying a 55.7% chance for the Phillies to win as opposed to a 44.3% chance for the Marlins to win. Things firmly in the Phillies' favor to win this one. Okay, maybe not firmly. But they're leaning the Philadelphia Phillies' way, which is how I'd go. I wouldn't bet on this game in favor of the Philadelphia Phillies, but if you made me pick who's going to win, I couldn't pick the Marlins the way that team is playing right now. So hopefully another great win for the Philadelphia Phillies tonight. And the bad news from last night is that the Brewers won and the Padres won, so the Phillies didn't really gain any ground in the wild card races, but they don't have to. They just have to keep winning. Not that many games left. After this series with the Miami Marlins, they have five left. They're going to see Atlanta. They're going to see Toronto. They're going to see Atlanta again. They're going to see Washington. And then they're going to see the Houston Astros. Wait, no, it's Atlanta, Toronto. So maybe they have six left. Let me look at their schedule real quick because I think Chicago's in there somewhere. Either way, the Phillies don't have many games left to hold on for. They're already at 79 games. I think 88 gets them in. I think 90-plus gets them the second wild card spot. And how do they end up? Yeah, so Atlanta, Toronto, Atlanta, Chicago, Washington, Houston. So six more series left with that sneaky two-game series against the Blue Jays thrown in there. But not that long to hang on for. After tonight's game, the Philadelphia Phillies will have officially have 4, 6, 10, 13, 17, 20 games left on their season. So magic number down to 17, 
Another win last night. A chance for another win tonight in a game that favors the Philadelphia Phillies. Everything looks good for a red October. And in that vein, coming up in off the poll, I asked a question, a poll question from uh, yesterday's episode about what Philly needs to shoulder the load most the rest of the way. I gave a couple of options. And it's our most responded to poll we've ever had for this segment. So thank you to everyone picking that up and running with it and giving your votes. We'll talk about who the public voted for, who the public didn't vote for, because one player got a significant less amount of the votes than everybody else, and why I think that is, and who I think should be the one to have to carry the load. All of that coming up next in Off the Poll as we wrap up this week, or this week, today's Locked on Phillies. Okay, off the poll, if you're not familiar what it is. It's a poll-based segment where the first day, so this was yesterday's pod, we asked a poll question on our Twitter account, put it out there for you to vote on. I retweet it from Thomas 975 and we get all your votes and selection. But I don't tell you what I would vote for. I simply pose the question and save my judgment for the next episode. And this is indeed the next episode. So now we talk about the results of the poll, and we'll also discuss what I think about how you voted. So a reminder of what our poll is. An off-the-poll question for tomorrow's episode is how the tweet reads. Which of these four players, and I said, yes, there could be other answers, but of these listed players are most important down the stretch for the Philadelphia Phillies? There are four options. Aaron Nola, Bryce Harper, JT Romuto, Sir Anthony Dominguez. I'll remind you again why I gave both of those options. Aaron Nola was Zach Wheeler still not with the team yet, and he will be back before the end of the season. Take my word for it. Zach Wheeler will be back. But with him not back currently, Aaron Nola is the most important pitcher, or I guess the best pitcher you have, we'll say. I don't want to bias yet. Bryce Harper, who is your best position player. JT Romito, who is the catcher, the go-between between the pitchers and position players, your best defensive player as well. And then Saranti Dominguez, for my money, your best relief pitcher. That's why I picked all of these guys. Here's how the voting broke out in our most voted on, locked on, off the pole ever. 26.5% of you said Aaron Nola. 38.2% of you said Bryce Harper. 2.9% of you, only 2.9% said JT Romuto. And 32.4% said Sir Anthony Dominguez. So let me put those in order for you. JT Romito bringing up the distant rear with only 2.9% of the vote. Then it's Aaron Nola with 26.5%. Then it's Sir Anthony Dominguez with 32.4%. And Bryce Harper got 38.2% of the vote. Here's what I think that means. And then I'll tell you where I stand. JT Romito being that low is interesting to me. But I think what that means is defense doesn't matter to this team. He's been really good defensively, but this team is going to go as far as the guys that match the baseball. And while JT has been really, really good lately and arguably the best catcher in baseball in the second half, he's not a world beater like Bryce Harper is at the plate. He's good for his position. He's, I mean, he's great for his position. He's a huge asset to this team, but I don't think people view JT Romuto as a huge offensive weapon and as a defensive weapon, he's more expected to make plays. The catcher, is expected to throw out runners. It's not like a diving play in the outfield. It's rare, and we get to do it with JT Romuto because he's so good, but it's rare you see people get excited about a catcher throwing someone out. That's all combines to JT Romuto only getting 2.9% of the vote. Aaron Nola was in third place. 
And the fact that he only got 26.5% of the vote. Well, he's in the conversation with Bryce Harper and Anthony Dominguez. Uh, but I think the starting pitching has been questionable and the bullpen's been better lately. So the starting pitching seems a little bit less important at the moment. And Aaron Nola isn't truly the ace of the staff. That still hand, uh, holds with Zach Wheeler, even though he's not currently with the team right now. So that's why I think he didn't win it. So Anthony Dominguez, I thought, could have been the guy who won this poll. Actually, you know what? I figured he'd be closer to the 26% margin where Aaron Nola was, but I thought that might be enough because I didn't expect JT to only get 2% of the vote. But Sir Anthony Dominguez was right around there because, yeah, him being back, this bullpen already looked significantly improved than when he was on the injured list. So that's why he's gotten that much. And then Bryce Harper, well, that's the MVP. He's the face of this team. He's the guy that you think about when you think about, is someone going to carry the Phillies? And that's why he won the poll. Now, who would I have gone with? I would have gone with Aaron Nola. Reason being is the bullpen is getting relatively healthy. The defense is healthy. The hitting, the lineup is, I mean, they're healthy. They need to be a little bit better. You want Nick Castellanos back, but outside of Nick Castellanos, you have everybody. To me, the pitching staff, the starting pitching and missing Zach Wheeler has the biggest hole right now. And Aaron Nola has to fill that spot to be the stopper if the Phillies go on a bad run, to be the lock win when the Phillies are on a good stretch. And that's why I think he is the most important player down the stretch, even though he only throws every five days. That's who I would have voted for. But, hey, a couple of guys right in the mix there. J.T. Romito only 2.9%, so he's not one of them. But an interesting study to see who you're looking at as the most important Phillies down the stretch. So, We'll keep an eye on those guys, and we'll see if it actually plays out that way. Another opportunity to watch them tonight, and hopefully another win. But that's all for Locked On Phillies. I want to thank you for making Locked On Phillies your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, Sully, he's awesome. He does great work covering the MLB as a whole. He covers the entire storylines, not just one specific team. You can find it wherever you get your podcast, also on YouTube, on your Odyssey app. Check out Sully's work wherever you can find it on Locked On MLB. That's all I've got for you, and I will speak to you tomorrow on the next Locked On Phillies.